Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Daniel Thomas Hind. He's a transformational coach and the founder of Evolution Eat, and that's evolutioneat.com. And that's a nutritional coaching company dedicated to helping people create breakthroughs in their lives around their relationships with food. He teaches a counterintuitive approach to weight loss and a lifestyle design that's all about mindsets and habits. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's talk about why you're even on the show, your journey to getting to the point where you'd even be interested in a primal paleo-tinged outlet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my God, I'm... We're digging deep right off the bat. That's how deep (laughs) right off the bat. So my journey began as a little boy. Are we going to start there? Are we going to go all the way back to little boy? <laughs> <laughs> you can go as far back as you want. Um, well, no. this is no. So reading Mark's stuff was a transformational point in my life back in 2010, which was at the same time that I read Rob Wolf's The Paleo Solution. And um, it, this way of being, this lifestyle exposed me to um, exposed me to myself for the first time. And what I mean by that was, is that it allowed me to, for the first time to believe that I had control over the way that I not only looked, but felt. I grew up, um, pretty, pretty depressed. To be honest, I come from a very depressed and anxious Italian family from New York, Long Island, New York. It's, you know, the stereotypical, uh, Italian mother who like, saturates her boy with love, but in a very highly anxious way of doing so. And I grew up depressed and sad and, 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 and fat and overweight, to be honest. Um, uh, um, and, and switching over to the primal paleo lifestyle, not only helped me lose weight, but it helped me like sink into myself, integrate into myself and, control, like felt control over just the way that I felt like my emotions, um, my inflammation, which then has massive effects on your mood, et cetera, energy. And, um, you know, for the past, uh, seven, eight years, I've not only pursued my own experimentation and transformation, but I now teach that and coach other people, uh, how to get there. Were you made fun of for being fat when you were younger? And even if you weren't, what did it, the, the other question would also be, what did that feel like when you were that? Because you're not in that body anymore. Clearly, this is not a part of your life now. But mm. what were the emotions and things and, and ways you looked at the world from that encasement? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. You know, so despite what you see now, um, you know, I'm a f- formerly fat Italian kid from Long Island. And while I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm no longer fat, I'm still Italian. So uh, in, in my family, food is love. Lasagna was love. And there was a whole lot of love, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, so for me, the, the, the attachment to food runs deep. It's an emotional attachment that I, that I have with it. Um, 
both my parents also, so, so there's, so there's that. So there's like the emotional attachment to food. And then, um, both of my parents worked. So I came home to an empty house and I had to entertain myself. Only child had to entertain myself. So food was fun. Food was friend. Food was love. Food was a reward. You know, Daniel does a good job at school. You get whatever you want to eat. You do chores around the house. You get whatever you want to eat. And so I just developed an overabundant <laughs> relationship with I'm like, food. you sound and like I, you're force-fed, kind of, now that we're looking yeah, back no, on it. Not, <laughs> no. not force-fed, but just loved it so yeah. much. That was that was my thing. And then I you started to look look towards it, um, look to it for as a means of entertainment as well. Um, and 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 so there's like there's two pieces why I explain this. So the one, I grew very fat as a result. I'll never forget the day I so I went to a Catholic school and we had uniforms and God knows why they did it this way. I'm sure that they don't they don't anymore, but I'll never forget the day when my teacher called me to the front of the room the first day of school. She was announcing everybody's uniform sizes. So she's like, Kathy, size small, you know, Nicholas, oh, medium, Daniel, husky. husky. <gasps> no, no. And it's just really, was that really not even large or extra large, just husky. Then the humiliation <laughs> that I felt, I mean, it just, that something, there's something with that. There's something from that, that you take with you forever. And it's not like I'm, I'm damaged or anything, but you just take that with you. That influences the way that you relate to kids growing up, um, the way that you relate to yourself, to your body. Even now, you know, I, I think I look pretty good without a shirt on, but I'll still have that hesitation at the beach where I'm taking my shirt off because like, I didn't want to do that when you were, when I was a little kid, you know, I really didn't want to do that. It was embarrassing. And I played, I played soccer. I played tons of sports and the shirts versus skins it only you, you only only fat kids know how uncomfortable it is to play shirts versus skins because you never want to be on skins. You do whatever you can to not be <laughs> on skins. It's true. It's really true. Totally. And you know, so and colder weather is always a friend when you're fat. Always. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've yeah. been there myself when I used to I mean it's it's just like you're great. I could wear oversized sweatshirts and blankets and moo-moos and all yeah. <laughs> but yeah. summer but summer is a real downer. It's a real downer. And so so growing up, you know, I, I was always active. Uh, I played a ton of sports. My dad's British and brought soccer over <laughs> over here and um we treated that very seriously growing up. I was like I was all state, this, that, the other, even despite being overweight. And in college, uh, in high school and college, you know, I was still 35 pounds overweight despite exercising like seven days a week, sometimes even twice a day. Uh, and I think it's for three reasons. One, because, and this is coming full circle with what I was talking about before. One, because I was addicted to food and I never thought of it that way. Two, because I was an emotional eater and you know, no matter how much exercise I was going to do, I was looking to food. I had an unhealthy relationship with food where I was looking to it to do something for me, to fill something, right? As a coping mechanism, uh, I was a friend and it was something that I did with myself. And then for three, because diets don't work and I had no idea how to, I had no idea what paleo was during that time. So I would try to do the traditional dieting thing and I would lose a bunch of weight and then I'll gain it back and back and forth on that seat. So that was kind of what led me those, that's the context for what led me into 
finding paleo and primal at the beginning in my early 20s and for anybody who's listening i'm 29 now and i turning 30 pretty soon and um and and look him up because you'll be laughing thinking that he ever was an insecure fat kid (laughs) um but let's talk about the level of sugar and carbs that was going on to make you a fat kid and then, you know, probably teen. When you made the transition after going to dieting and all this BS up and down, it is always an amazing revelation the day you do become fat adapted because it's the one day where you're like, you, you at some point realize that you haven't thought about food all day. And that right there makes you mm-hmm. go, wait, what? Hold on. How did-? <laughs> and that's right, the freedom, because you're a sugar and food addict, right? And you probably were as well. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what did it feel like when you had to transition and get off of the carbohydrate dependency? I mean, what were that? Was it easy for you? It wasn't for me, but sometimes it's, you know, an easy transition for people. I mean, how did you... How did that go? What was that like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it actually was easy because I felt so good. It was honestly, I'm, I, it was honestly like I felt like I was on drugs for like for like for for a month straight when I <laughs> when I did the first. I felt like I was not cutting things, but taking something exogenously that would make me feel a certain way because I felt like I was on fire. I, I remember like my body tingling in a like on an orgasmic way just randomly throughout the day I was like what the hell is going on here and I'm really thinking it was just my body uh releasing all of its inflammation and because I was exercising so much like getting in touch with itself and I was like wow I'm actually very fit and um my body just needed to to rid itself of this garbage for years um and so it started to feel that way um it was it was kind of like cloud nine, and I think for me personally, part of why it became so easy to uh, fully adopt was because it felt so good. Now, of course, my situation isn't everybody's. I co- I coach people through this process, through this transformation, through this transition. That's my job, and I know firsthand that that's not most people's experience, or isn't necessarily the experience. So it's different for everybody. But for me, it just felt so damn good that it was a no brainer to, to remove that would be, um, would feel like it was at, I would be at loss. Right. Right. I think, I think if I, when I look back, I think the different move I would have made, and I did make a lot of mistakes along the path, but it was a tough transition. I was a super sugar dependent, (laughs) sugar addict, food addict, like carb, Mm. just bad, bad brain, bad everything. And I wish I had implemented MCT oil like right from the get go, or just a little mm. bit more serious coconut oil. Like some, I wish I had done that instead of trying to be like, "What do I eat now?" I wish I would have gone for a spoonful of that, and I think it would have made the first couple of weeks a lot easier. And then when I hit like two and a half, three weeks, it was like, "What?" And then I felt like I was on drugs in a good way. Yeah. yeah. And then I felt, yeah. and then I really felt like, "Wow!" But I had a little bit of a rough start there, and I think because I also probably ate some mistakes, overate fat, overate protein. Um, mm-hmm. just, I think ate too much food in fr- at first too. That's, in- that's interesting that you say that. So I think why it was so successful, why, why it was such a, a great, um, why I was so successful at it was because I did eat more than enough of the good stuff, which is something that I teach my clients. Just like when you're transitioning over, make sure that you're eating enough food because most people attempt any sort of new diet uh, with the dieting mentality. And I say that in quotation marks where they're like, Oh, I'm going to 
try to lose weight, right? And so I, even if it's because I'm cleaning up my diet, I still want to lose weight. And therefore, what I think I should do is eat less food. And what I was enthralled with is just like, oh, I can eat as much awesome food as I want. I'm just going to not, fo- I'm going to focus on these things and not focus on those things. Great. And I didn't feel at all deprived or restricted. And so that's that sense of ease was, 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 was crucial that because it didn't feel like I had to give anything up in fact, and that I was taking care of myself. It wasn't a sacrifice. And that's something that I teach a lot of my clients because they're like ready to make the big change. And then they think, oh, well, weight loss is like immediate weight loss is my main goal, not full adoption. And I help them see that it's actually full adoption is the main goal. And this is a lifestyle and practice. You're not going to be able to play Mozart on day one. So it's unlikely that you're going to be not on day three either. (laughs) Right. So let's just treat it with the long term in mind. You don't have to starve yourself on day one, two, three, four. You never have to starve yourself. In fact, um, well, your body will naturally come to need less food as you lose weight over time, but we don't need to force the issue. Um, so that to me was why it was just, it was, it was so simple. It was so simple. Well, and that ties right into people's relationships with food because, you know, and, and Mark Sisson's talked a lot about this. I have too. I mentioned it even in my book about the idea of like breaking some kind of addiction, like in terms of when you hear paleo primal people talk about, wow, caloric efficiency, and I eat so much less now, and I'm fueled on so much more. When you're a food and a sugar addict, like that's the worst thing you can hear because you're like, I don't want to eat less. I already want to eat more than I'm eating. I'm dying here. Like I, you mm. know, it, it, it's a, and what yeah. I liken it to is when I used to be a cigarette smoker and before I quit, that was also the same thing, another addiction, but it was the same thing about like, I don't even want to know a day where I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. That's how de- I'm sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, think about it. If that's on that level for food and nicotine, imagine what kind of level it's on when you're on heroin or an sure. opiate. I mean, that's and that's and other than they actually sometimes have to get that fixed because they do actually feel like they're dying. Um, right. So they're trying to, like, save themselves. But uh, that's a total tangent. But do you know what I mean? It really is this addiction where. It, you can't, when you're in it, you can't even see and understand that paradigm until you feel it. That's why I mentioned that day when you become fat adapted, when it happens, when you don't care about it anymore, when your relationship becomes intuitive. And like someone asked me on a podcast mm. yesterday, they said, uh, you know, what'd you eat the past couple of days? And I was like, to be honest with you, like uh, yesterday I craved just like, I wanted like pork sausage and then, like, I ate a big fat steak at another point, which was like I kind of overdid the protein on it. Mm-hmm. I, I was just craving it, like there was no doubt in my mind I had to have those things. And then the next day, I just craved salmon and avocado and cucumber. Like I just, you know, but I never would have had those kind of directives when you're clouded and with all this junk and the wrong signals telling you to go eat the crack that is glucose. So. Let's talk about relationships around food because I know this is a big thing for you, especially since you experienced, like we spoke about earlier, you as a youth being in this really crappy paradigm and really unhealthy relationships that, you know, were half, uh, you know, taught to you. Then no fault. Your parents did the best that they could. Right. No one knew that that could cause some stuff, but it it sometimes does. So let's get into that. Sure. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying about like when you're addicted to the bad stuff and and addiction is a scary word, right? And we don't want to call it that when it comes to sugar or food, but I think that most of this country is addicted to food in one way or another. And let's just call it what it is, you know, dependency addiction. They're just, they're two sides of the same, the same idea. Um, when you identify with it so much, you 
you don't want to let it go because it's so it's it's a it's a it's a safety net. It's a coping mechanism. Right. So this is why I started the conversation by saying food was fun for me. Food was a friend. Food was love growing up, truly. And it's like with that in mind, if I let that go, then what do I do? Like, what do I do? Um, I'll, and who am I? Like, who I don't am, even know. Well, and oh person. my God. Yeah. And this is such a, I'm going to, so I'm going to illustrate this point by, by telling you, uh, about one of my clients, Molly. Is, is that cool? If I, if I share a story? Absolutely. Love yeah. It. So I worked with Molly for six months. My Molly came to me, she was a school teacher in Chicago and she came to me saying, I'm addicted to sugar. I've got probably 15 or 20 pounds to lose, but I'm really just addicted to sugar. There's, there's always candy at school in the, in the cafeteria, in the little kitchen area where the teachers met, there was always either like cupcakes or people were bringing in this or that, or somebody's you know student's birthday. There was just always stuff around and she couldn't help herself. Every break she would have, she'd be just going for the candy, going for the cupcakes, going for the sugar, whatever that was. And she was fed up. And she wanted to take control of that situation. So we worked together, um, uh, training, coaching every day. And I can talk about how I do that later on if that's, if that's important, but we worked together for six months and six months later, she, she's lost the 20 pounds. She's overcome her sugar addiction. And she asked me very sincerely, you know, and, and I'm going to quote her almost exactly. She goes, I feel ridiculous saying this, but what do I do now that there's no more sugar? Like, like what, what do I do? And and I said to her, well, what do you want to create? And I kid you not over the next eight months, we continued to work together over the next eight months, Molly divorced her husband that she was with for 10 years unhappily. She quit her job as a school teacher and she opened her own music studio in Chicago called Red Cloud Studios, which she now has a full roster of students, first time entrepreneur. <laughs> and, Molly in Chi Town, I yeah. love you. And, You're and great. So in, uh, in, shout in, out to Chi Town, yeah. by the way. Shout out, shout out to Molly. Shout out to Chi Town. In absence of sugar, Molly chose herself. She created the the rest of her life. And that sounds like that sounds profound because it is. It is profound. Here's one person who is preoccupied with sugar and candy and whatever all day long, and that blocks, not only blocks you, but it just takes you away from accessing yourself, accessing your creativity. It's a constant distraction, right? And how many of us live with that? Maybe it was not as pronounced. Same with smoking. Got to go out for a cigarette. Got to stop for a cigarette. Got to stop what you're doing for a cigarette. Yep. It is a absolute distraction. Keep going to the fridge, opening the fridge, looking in there. And you know what's in there? Because you were just there five minutes ago. I've been there. I've been there. Exactly. Exactly. So it- Well, you know, you should tie, you should, your next book, your book should be, you know, like uh, Lose that gain a career. I mean, listen to this woman. She just, um, I mean, I'm writing the book right now. You know, I'm in the, I, yeah, I, I like, she wrote it. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing the book right now. <laughs> it. I'm in the magic make, making business, you know, like you think that you're signing up to lose weight and whatever, but what actually happens is that you get your life back. And I mean that. Uh, yeah, and sometimes the life you never even knew was there because you never had it. Yeah. And that sometimes happens when People who've lived with like suboptimal thyroid for a while, um, if you've been in kind of a generally always kind of a sleepy, you know, kind of that energy and, you know, bloody whatever, it can just kind of be something that like you're, you're living and you're getting by. Everyone else seems to have more energy, but then it's like until and then, and then it's always a weird thing because for people, they'll, they'll then get better, figure out the problem, realize they have one. And they're like, oh my God, I, 
I didn't know this was <laughs> how one could feel. And then they even get better after that as they go up like the ladder. And they're like, I didn't even know. I thought the first level was good. I thought that was better than where I was for 20 years. But now, now I'm in, a, in an even another level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I and mean, so this, the layers are crazy with, yeah. with what can happen here. It, yeah. And yeah, that's right. So it's like, yeah, this is about your relationship with food and understanding that food isn't actually the answer to your unhappiness or happiness, right? It's more about your relationship with yourself because when you start to, when you start to access yourself like that, you just open up these entirely new worlds of possibility. Again, it sounds profound because it is profound (laughs) when you have the confidence that you can show up for yourself powerfully every day, making choices that are healthy for you. And then like finding joy in that process, in eating healthily, in doing healthy things for yourself, that confidence that you build, that resiliency that you build over time, it can't help but spill over into all other areas of your life. Because on the flip side, when you're feeling tired and hungry and kind of addicted to sugar or not knowing that you're addicted, but like needing food to feel something to get an effect, you have low energy, low mood, and that makes you less productive, less effective. So even just in absence of that, being neutral, you're open up to whole new worlds. But then being activated, being turned on, being energized by feeding yourself healthily, and then the, having that the, the mindset and the awareness that you're doing this for yourself and you're showing up for yourself this way each and every day, that confidence spills over into other areas of your life. And just like Molly, you can go create, you know, a business or whatever. You maybe you write the book, or maybe you just you're better better parents and you find more time to spend with your kids, right? If whatever that means to you, it's very possible. It's very real. And that's the sort of work that I do. That's why I call it transformational nutrition coaching, because it's not just about the food. It's about how this changes your relationship with yourself and then what you can create after after making the breakthrough around food, what you can create in the rest of your life. That's what I'm interested in. Let's let's I want to drop let's drop it all right into this one, which is forget your own individual mindset. When you're in a sluggish, slothish, carb addicted, sugar eating, you know, that whole deal. Mm-hmm. You're not hanging around, you're hanging around like-minded people and you're doing the same and you know it's amazing because at the end of the day, that kind of energy, you'll end up attracting different people because you have a different level of energy, right? To go out and do things, to be motivated, the, the life changing, you know, magic of what happened with Molly. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, you can't be still hanging out with the couch potatoes that are eating a bunch of crap. I mean, not that you can't be friends with those people. You know what I'm saying though? <laughs> sure, it's, sure. But you're not living that same life anymore. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes you end up bringing in new people that are sharing that same experience. And then that's cool. Like I met one of my best friends of now, roughly like, I think, yeah, 15 years. And we met at the swimming pool in the shower. Um, now it was, an, it was an open shower, by the way. She didn't like come into my stall. That would have been so creepy. Yeah. Um, I was assaulted and uh, we, I forgave her. <laughs> no, she, uh, she's great. And, uh, but we really met, we met swimming. And I mean, it, that was me uh, starting something new at one point and in terms of what I was doing. Uh, well, actually, I had been doing it maybe, yeah, it was probably 17 years ago. So 
but it was, we met at the pool and um, we were talking in the showers and actually she happened to be one of the only people my age because everyone else there was like six year older at the time and, or even 80 doing like aqua aerobics. So we were like, Hey, who are you? Like you're my age. And then we ended up going hiking together and then we ended up now we're, you know, she's one of my best friends. And then we even uh, shared a, a thyroid experience together because she has Hashimoto's and while I don't, she, we can communicate and understand each other on that level because of what she's been through there too. So, you know, you never know when a new endeavor, whether athletic or whether something, but it goes to saying that you're really likely not going to switch up or reignite and refire and realign, you know, synapses in your brain if you're doing the same thing every day, day in and day out on the couch, sitting there, you know, or just constantly at the fridge or even just out and about, but your mind is just thinking about food. You just can't wait to go home to eat. I've been there. I've been there. And you know, you just, I mean, you're not even enjoying that moment. You're like, I can't even wait to just get out of this one, go home and pig out on some sugar, but I, I don't feel like I could eat in front of these people. And what a sick world. I don't want to live, you know, no way. So, you know, it's really interesting, but it opens up a whole new thing when you try new stuff. And, um, and I'm so grateful for my friend who got me back into swimming many years ago because finding that pool, I found a friend and, and then she ended up go paleo of several years ago. And she's actually been to Mark's house and met Mark, you know, like, It's great. And we get to share that journey now too. So, you know, think of all the different friendships and other mindsets you get to be exposed to, right? So by, by choosing yourself, yeah, you made a lifelong friend, your best friend. I mean, that's, that's, that's what the power of this sort of work is. It's not just about, that's why I hate diets and the marketing for diets, because it's like, lose a bunch of weight and like get like that, that just becomes the goal. It's like, well, what the hell happens after the goal, first of all? So what happens when you lose the weight? Um, like, are we ever talking about that? But more importantly, like, what does it mean? It's, the goals are important, but it's a, they're a place to come from, not to get to, because life continues no matter what. So having goals are a place to come from, meaning it's a way that you show up for yourself just like you, then you're more open and receptive to life around you, to a friend who, who you might otherwise just had turned the other way and not had that conversation, but you were enrolled in your own experience, feeling good about yourself probably for, for going to the pool that day and more likely to receive somebody and their energy. And then you guys became friends and that shows up you know, it, it, it can manifest in any number, any thousands, uh, thousand number of ways uh, when you're just coming from that place, when you're making choices that support you. And I want to I want to pick up on one other thing that you said about, you know, you've been there when you just you're walking around and you're thinking about food and you can't wait to get home about food. You know, part of growing up the way that I did, just having an addictive relationship with food, that's still, so even after living, you know, doing, being paleo for 10 years and talking to people about their food choices every single day for the past five years, even after, even despite all that, it still shows up in my life. Like I'll still use food as a coping mechanism if I'm either too tired and tell myself, oh, I need to stay up to work more because Mr. Entrepreneur over here, you know, there's always something to do. Uh, so that's one. And then two, the, the, the only child little loner boy in me (laughs) still exists. And I'll often have the conversation with myself, like on a Saturday night, Oh, you don't want to go out and go meet people, like go hang out with people. Why don't you just stay in? You deserve a break. 
whatever. And that line of thinking will always lead to me ordering like Uber Eats seven times in the night. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like ne- never once. If, if I reason, oh, I'm going to just stay in by myself on a Saturday and either lie to myself and say I'm going to work or I just I need to take a break and I'll watch movies or whatever, which might happen. Um, it always ends, though, in me ordering tons and tons of food and basically having a party with myself. Okay, wait, I, wait, I want to ask you about that. So hold on a second. Yeah. It's, see, it's the opposite for me because, and maybe, and I'm wondering, is it because you used to, when you were in your youth, spend a lot of Saturday nights alone because you were like the vet kid or, because in my life, I feel like I started going out so young because I grew up in downtown Chicago, like since I was in eighth grade at the clubs, at the bars, like dream. It was just really a mess. And so for me, like, I love being home on a Saturday night sometimes, like, but it's not a a scary thing or it's not a slippery slope, let's say. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I, I love spending time with myself. <laughs> don't get the, don't get me wrong, but it's, 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 um, it's just this, it's a thing that I do with myself. Food was always a thing that I did with myself. It was a way of entertaining myself and that runs really deep. That runs really. Mm-hmm. So my relationship with it is like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be home alone, bored or whatever. Great. So I'm going to have a party because, and food becomes a part of that. Uh, right. So you can never be alone. Don't ever. Yeah. So alone. never, never leave me alone or else I'm going to eat everything. And if you leave me in your house, there'll be nothing left. Of- no, but I get you. Like when you're run down or periods of time where, you know, stuff's a little bit off, you can end up making, slipping back into some bad decisions. That's what I think you're saying. It's not that you're struggling with it every, sure. Saturday. No, every no. Saturday. You can never spend no. a Saturday alone. No, no. Yeah. I, I bring it and I bring it up because like there's, the, I, what I don't want to promote either is the illusion of like, oh, everything is perfect after you go paleo or keto or whatever. That's sure. No, you're going to get triggered and there's going to be stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Real life happens. And if you have any sort of uh, real, like history with overeating or miseating or whatever, then it, it still might show up in your life. And that's OK. What I coach my clients to, to understand is like what an isolated moment in time is versus an ongoing trend and to just treat one night that goes off plan, so to speak, as an instant in and of itself, just like, and that those mistakes are necessary in order to actually learn something. So like, just as if you were learning how to play the piano, even when you become highly proficient, you're still going to make a lot of mistakes. And what d- distinguishes you know, masters from people who are just pretty damn good are the people who invest in those mistakes and keep practicing, right? Like if you can't solo or you're, you're, you're trying to practice a solo and you keep messing up this one little part, you're going to keep going at it until you get it right. So mistakes happen. They're part of the learning process in any discipline. And it shouldn't, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't see that any differently when it comes to your relationship with food and, and diet in general, it's going to happen. It's going to show up. It doesn't mean anything other than whatever you can take from it. Maybe you were too tired. Maybe you were lonely. Maybe you were bored. Maybe whatever. Right. Or, you know, sometimes, honestly, there there could be an indulgence. And I think, though, for me, it's like if an indulgence is made, sometimes, oftentimes it's regrettable, especially if it's sugar. So I don't really fall down a slope because I, I am in regret about it because I don't feel good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. But sometimes overeating even non-sugary good food like protein and fat. So recently I 
went out for like a cheese cheat that had been planned for months with a, a couple that I know. We were going to go to the charcuterie place and do some, we were going to do it up, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I prepared myself for this. So we go and, you know, I just, uh, I mean, it wasn't insane, but for me, I just ate too much of a volume of food, ate too, way too much cheese for me. It's not, I don't eat it often because of sort of how it affects me. And um, sure. I tell you what, you know, it's, I didn't eat for 24 hours after that, probably because it was a keto indulgence to some degree, mm-hmm. you know, it was, uh, but still the overeating part mm. was absolutely a regret. Mm. Now it wasn't a regret like it would have been with sugar. Cause that would have just really felt awful, mm-hmm. but this was still, um, you could, this goes back to the intuition. My body was like, that was, that was too much at once there for what you did. Yeah. That was, that was not right. And you know what? It just, it was, it was a better, not all right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it was just cheese and meat and pate. Like, you know what I mean? You really can't you go crazy. You know, sure. it's, it's, I was awake for 24 hours and it was not hungry. <laughs> like, I was stocking up like a hunter gatherer. I just went to town, but, but it wasn't comfortable. And also overeating is inflammation. Yes. Even if it's good food like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, even those little indulgences, but when you're on an already steady path, and you're already clear and way clear for a long time of those addictions and things and those missteps, then making one occasionally like I did recently, well, the choice itself wasn't bad, but the amount was a little bit of an overdue. And oh, well, okay. Yeah. So you know what? Probably won't be doing that for like another three years, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's like, had my fill. <laughs> I coach my clients. I say, you know, if they're like really craving something and it's starting to get it's starting to affect the way that they feel, especially the way that they feel about where we're at along the process. I'll say, you know what? Give yourself a night where you just enjoy food and, and, and just make that part. That is part of the process because this is the thing. People approach their diet and it's like, oh, I'm off. I'm on it or I'm off it and I'm on it and I'm off it. It's like, no, you're not. You're always on it because your life is on it. So if you need to, if you want to have a night where you just, you just have something in order to enjoy it because you're craving it and you're, you're, you're cool with leaving it at that one night and you make it a moment in time for yourself. Great. That's fine because it's all real life where it becomes dangerous or slippery is when that begins a trend. And now it's like the next day you either want more and more and more of it, or you think you need to like starve yourself if you're not a if you're not used to fasting already, you think you need to starve yourself because you overate and then it just starts that seesaw where like you starve yourself in the middle of the day then you're starving at night and you eat a bunch of crap again, right? Which I've seen happen to so many clients, so many people I work with. It's like, okay, just give yourself a night and we can anchor that in the future. If you're craving something right now, you know, if there's like an opportunity coming up in a few weeks uh, you know that you're going to be at a big dinner party with your family or whatever, and your your mom makes the killer lasagna. Enjoy it if that's important to you, and if it's important to be around your family, enjoy it. But just make it that one night and and celebrate that experience as an experience, right? Not as this. There's a big difference between celebrating a meal with your family and um, standing in your kitchen at two in the morning, shoving food in your face in front of the cupboard, you know, big difference. Well, and on that note, first of all, I want to mention, I had her on the show and it's a great book, paleo Italian cooking for all the fat Italian kids out there. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) seriously, amazing book, paleo Italian cooking. And also, um, her website, she has over 800 paleo recipes and tons of her, 
uh, Italian cooking up there, and it's really great. I made a couple dishes. It's incredible stuff. Um, so there's ways you can still enjoy that. And I agree with you. Eat the lasagna. It's one of the excuses I have in my book where people have a cop out where they're like, well, but I really like my, you know, grandma's lasagna. Well, you know what? How much do you eat that? What? Every day? Come on. It's like, what? Once a year, the holidays? Go for it. Yeah. But also, and I'm not a affiliate or paid sponsor for this company, but Capello's makes really amazing paleo pasta Mm. and their fettuccine is incredible and they have lasagna sheets. And man, I'll tell you what. On a winter day, when you're feeling like a big bowl of pasta with some meatballs and sauce, it's amazing. And it's made with egg and almond flour, and it's completely paleo. And the funny thing about it is that you you, you can even put the whole package in, right? And you put it in a bowl, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to town on this thing. And as you start eating it, you're getting so filled up quickly <laughs> because of what it's made of. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. it's yeah, a yeah. different experience where, like, if it were actual pasta, this empty mm-hmm. piece of brown sludge garbage – that Mark, Mark often describes it as, you know, it is, uh, but, uh, yeah. And <laughs> right. Th- th- then you're just like, then you want to just keep eating it and it's just fluffy, whatever, but we have this like, and it tastes just like pasta, but at the same time, you know, so there's really a lot of options now. So there's really less copping out, you know, yeah, a lot of less copping out. <laughs> oh, I told you that we live. What a, you know, what a, what an amazing time to be alive, to be honest, for so many reasons, but one for food, we have access to it all at this point. If you live in the, if you live in America, you have access to it all. And, um, you know, that's not to say like you, sh- you shame on you for not, for not doing it, but just know that you, you really do have access to all. And there are healthy substitutes for pretty much everything that your heart desires. And that's a first step. Like that's a first step to switch over, to just try, to try the new thing. It tastes a lot like the thing that you don't want to get rid of. Um, and it actually makes you full. So <laughs> it, it puts you in touch with yourself and your, and, and your, uh, your, your appetite. Yeah. And I always, um, I might've mentioned it before, but one of the ways I tell people sometimes to, if they can't cold Turkey, some of the crappy sugar ingesting, mm-hmm. then it's like, all right, get some paleo treats and paleo granola. It still has sugar in it, right? It's still, you know, still not like o- overdue, but better than the other. And you kind of graduate down a little bit if you can, and you have one of those every night. And then it goes down to like maybe fruit and whipped cream, right? And then there's a point where yep. you got to stop it because you got to get in and kill the candida. And that's usually there with a lot of that. And I always, you know, and even Dr. Forsman in my book, uh, when I had it, I, um, you know, switch the probiotics up every month and do a drop of oregano, you know, P73 or, you know, the super strength, Mm -hmm. like a drop a day for just a week out of the month for a couple months and, um, take the, you know, switch up the probiotics and like get the gut figured out because that is such a part of getting rid of the addiction to sugar. Mm -hmm. And you know, that sometimes no amount of food can fix because you need to really repair what's going on there. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to throw out a quick kind of quick tip and way to look at that, you know, um, because there's lots of great little paleo thrive bites and granola little things and things that can satisfy and you can use heavy whipped cream and things that can satisfy that dessert situation. But then eventually you do have to just cut the shit out. Yeah. And I love that the slow iteration that you just described, because you don't have to cut it all out on day one. Again, this is coming back to, are you playing Mozart on day one or are you just pressing a few keys? Let's just start with the keys and make sure that you know, like where to put your fingers, right? Like how to position your hands on the, on the piano. You don't have to yeah, learn how to sit down on the piano. Yeah. You don't need to p- play Mozart on day one. So if that means getting some healthy granola and what I like to, co- to teach my clients is like, let's, instead of focusing on, on all the stuff that you can't have, 
which makes this a very unfun uh, experience. Like, oh, I can't have this. I can't have that. I can't have this. Wow. Instead of doing that, why don't we just focus on the things that you like and then make sure that you're eating more than enough of that. So rather than restricting, just make um, focus on the good stuff and have plenty of it so that you're not you're not you're not hungry. You're not physiologically hungry because it's really hard to to do this when you're also feeling starving throughout the day. That's not fun. So make sure that you're actually eating enough of the good stuff. You're getting enough fats, more than enough fats. I like to err on the error on the side of too much protein in the beginning because if you're cutting sugar, then I just want my I just want my people to feel full, right? And often enough. Uh, oftentimes people aren't getting nearly enough protein. So the second that they start eating more of it, it's like, whoa, I'm not hungry all the time. What the hell is that about? Great. It makes cutting the sugar easier. That's the best day is that yeah. thought because that's the mind yeah. blower. And that's exactly. the difference between not being addicted and and all of a sudden not having your life be completely consumed and obsessed with thoughts of food. I thought about it nonstop, nonstop, yeah. mm-hmm. nonstop. And now I don't even think, I barely think about it. And again, that to a lot of people out there would sound like, what? No, I don't like that. <laughs> um, that's scary. And, and, but it's awesome. It's awesome. When you, when you and I met, we had a, we had a conversation about like go, going, how we were both experimenting with keto and traveling. And like, I've been traveling a lot more this, this year than ever before in my life. Yay. Business. Yay. Opportunity. Good stuff. Um, but it's uncomfortable for me because I'm such a creature of habit and also, um, and also, uh, I get very bad jet lag historically now, even, 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 uh, even while eat, eating paleo and, and, and doing that very bad jet lag, like completely run down, pathetic for a few days, kind of run down jet lag. And so therefore I always resist or, or fear travel as a result. Um, over the past few months, I've really been experimenting, especially with with Mark's book, which is the the, the keto reset diet, which is just extraordinary. It has everything you could ever need about really keto. Really good one. It's his yeah. best one. That's what I told him. I said, I yeah, think it's it best one. it's so, so it's 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 just the bomb. I literally read the entire thing in one night. But I digress. Um, I've been experimenting with it for the past uh, three months, and while traveling, I just decided I'm going to do an MCT, like a, like a bulletproof coffee fast. I had coffee in the morning. I had a coffee before I got on the plane because of the time that I was traveling. Um, I had some, some MCT oil in my, uh, in my backpack. Um, I had some prove it exogenous ketones as well. And I just did that. And I kid you not, I had no jet lag on both sides of the trip. Both sides of the trip, not a second of jet lag. I picked up right where I left off, and it was easy, and I wasn't hungry, and it was almost like I forgot that food was a thing for a few days. And for me, that is an impossible concept. And I really, I can sympathize with anybody, uh, any of the listeners who are like, "L, I, L, I have no idea what you're talking about. I can like." I, Daniel, I never thought it was possible. I'm always, even still, I'm always thinking about food, probably because my clients are sending me photos of their food every second of the day. So I'm like, I'm always, I'm always talking about food and it's just like always top of mind. This is my job. But, um, but I didn't think about food at all. And one, that's just awesome because you have the confidence that you can pretty much go anywhere and do anything. And you, you just, be as powerful, be as strong, be as smart to get by. But two, I mean, energetically, I was just, um, I was just on, I was activated 
And I walked into my conference in London and I crushed it and it was great. And then I went on the way back home to Los Angeles, uh, here in Santa Monica, where I'm in my living room right now talking to you. I, uh, I felt just as good and I never experienced that before. So there's something to it. (laughs) It's just, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's called the DNA of being a human being. I mean, (laughs) It really is. It just so works. It works. Hey, that's really smart. I really like the idea that uh, Bulletproof's doing little tiny MCT oil packets I saw. Yeah. Those are great travelers. Those are so necessary. And also, they're incredible, or the nut butters, uh, for in-betweeners. And you know you're going to do some big workout or something for a while, but then you know you're not going to eat for a while, and you don't want to have a full stomach if you're doing like some activity. And before tennis game, you know, there you go. Yeah, and um, I, or midway. And I have no affiliation with any of these companies, but I the, don't either. Well, other than we, right. we love. Uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. love them, uh, and we use their stuff, obviously. Because so for anybody who likes their who who's who's tried bulletproof coffee, but they're like, eh, I'm not sure. I like my coffee sweet. Um, prove it. This company prove it. They have packets of exogenous ketones, which uh, just exogenous meaning you you take them it's not you don't go into ketosis from an internal state the these the 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 supplements help you get there um they're sweet and you can i pour some in my bulletproof coffee and i mix it up and i swirl it up and it's just like woof it's a powerhouse and it tastes amazing it tastes chocolatey amazing and i can i can go hours, hours, five, six, seven hours without having a meal. If I add a little bit of that, especially to the Bulletproof coffee. Well, I'm laughing because I was at the Bulletproof event last year and they had, you know, Bulletproof coffees everywhere and ones with collagen and butter and ones with just butter. And it was, they had all sorts of combinations. I mean, it was like really like a coutured. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the largest selection of different fat coffee I've ever seen. <laughs> and so I had a couple during the event and I literally, it was like another thing where I didn't eat for another 24 hours. So it's just like, yeah. I didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh my gosh, like. 18 hours have gone by. Um, I, was, I was at Paleo FX in, in May down in, uh, where was that, Austin. And the, the, the guy at the Bulletproof coffee stand, he must have been drinking all of the Bulletproof coffee all day because the guy was nuts. The guy was lit. He was lit up. Yeah, his he was brain was like, like whoa. Yeah, he was like slamming Bulletproof coffee here, slamming Bulletproof coffee there. Yeah. He was like, more butter, more butter. He was just, it was yeah. It was kind of like an, a scene out of American Psycho, but only with a paleo crowd is the way that I can describe it. Just like <laughs> the utter ridiculousness of it and the culture of it, uh, uh, of it all. It was, it was pretty, fu- it was pretty funny. So great. Well, also too, I want to mention for coffee. So also uh, our Primal Kitchen collagen fuel, we have vanilla. So that is a great creamer people use. And then you're also cool. getting some collagen. And then Mark's always like throw some MCT oil in there and that's a brain woof. Low MCT yeah. oil, a little of that. But also I want to talk about this with Bulletproof Coffees of the World. And I know that's such a, obviously he's branded that. But sometimes people overdo it. So, you know, people's definition of what that is is a lot of things. And I heard someone's definition as two tablespoons of butter and two tablespoons of MCT oil that they were drinking first thing every morning. And they were like a small female. And that's a ridiculous amount of fat and calories and fat calories to be ingesting in liquid. I mean, that's just, do you know what I'm saying? It's, um, yes. So let's lighten it up. Everybody. You actually don't need pads and pads of butter and a a ton of MCT oil. And if you do it too much MCT oil, 
it's going to leak. Gonna, yeah, you're going to leak you're gonna out gonna the leak. wind you don't you're want, gonna and leak. it's going to be bad. So, but it's also just like a little does go a long way. It really, really does. Uh, but people just overdo that. And then you're just really, uh, that's just. It makes me feel very. You yeah. do have to think about the fat you ingest because it's like, especially if you want to burn fat from where you are off your body. That's so. Then yeah, that, that's if you still have it, then and you don't care, then it's different. You have a different level of fat intake. You can, uh, if you have really low body percentage fat, you could probably have a little bit of a more powerful in terms of fat bulletproof coffee. But if you're on this train and you're then it lighten it up because a little goes a long way. Um, but yeah, those things were really amazing. Even to mm-hmm. have midday, if you did decaf, something like that can really hold one over. And um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's a it's a good word of word of word of wisdom. Um, some people they get caught on the fat of something, and they're like, "Oh, I can eat tons of fat and and lose weight and be healthy." And then they just add like mounds of butter and MCT oil in addition to everything else. I'm like, well, you know, calories calories in, calories out that old battle thing doesn't count does it it doesn't really it doesn't really count but it does if you're having like 4000 calories of and 2000 of which are fat you're going to you're going to right like you have to it's it's within it's within whatever your own threshold is and that really depends exactly. upon where you're going what you want to achieve if you want to maintain you know I know people that need to maintain their body fat so that's perfect they can overdo some fat they can have more spoonfuls and little dips coconut oil and coconut butter throughout the day but the thing that people misinterpret is that it's not a license to now add fat anywhere possible anytime you can right same with meat right but you know uh, enough said about that so let's talk about yeah. um, how you work with people I mean so do you do both in person do you do over the internet like give us the various ways in which sure. people can be helped by you. Yeah, totally. So um, the company's called Evolution Eat, E-A-T, Evolution Eat. And um, there are a few different ways that you can work with me. Uh, the, the first and foremost, the top of the line, if you will, is just one-on-one coaching, which is um, remote. Most of my clients do not live in Los Angeles. I don't see most of my clients in person. It's through uh, text and phone, and it's high-level accountability and, and support. I mean, we're talking throughout the day, every day, and it's really, um, it's meant, it's meant to be an immersive experience where it's immersion learning. So like you're immersing yourself in an entirely new way of being, and you're showing up powerfully for yourself every day. You're learning the mindset, the habits necessary to make this an entire lifestyle change, not just a new diet that you're trying out. Um, and it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of, it's a big commitment from both sides. That's, that's one option. And that's been just so awesome for, um, that's been such an amazing experience to be able to provide that level of service to my people for the past five years. And, but what's been missing is an opportunity to work with even more people. So, uh, I've recently launched a group coaching program. It's a six month transformational coaching experience that, um, that teaches you how to, eats clean and healthy, healthily, just like our evolutionary ancestors, hence the name evolution eat. Um, and it trains you how to develop the skill of eating healthily, of choosing healthily one habit at a time. So we work on one habit at a time in all areas of your life, not just food and diet, but other lifestyle choices so that you can build up, as we were talking about before, the confidence and the creativity and the resiliency to create an entire way of being for yourself. Again, so as to make this 
effortless. So it was, so it was to make this a no-brainer automatic, just like the way that you show up in the world. Not a thing that you're doing, not a thing that you're trying, a new way of being. My entire philosophy is how do we go from diet to lifestyle? How are you actually creating a lifestyle around this? And how can your diet be an expression of yourself? Just like, you know, I, I, I use this metaphor all the time, just like the piano player who learn, who who becomes a master pianist. Well, she's going to become a master pianist by falling in love with the process of practicing. So showing up every day at the piano, practicing. And in the same way, that's what I teach my clients to do when it comes to their diet and when it comes to their health. And um, that six-month program is amazing. It's I've spent the past year working on it, and I'm so excited because now I get to work with a lot more people. So those are the two ways that you can work directly with me, and you can find all that information on evolutioneat.com. And then I also have a course um, like a masterclass. It's a, it's a three or four hour masterclass that basically teaches all of my major, um, points. There's seven lessons and it gives you the framework of my approach with a little how to as well, um, that you can kind of do it on your own for, for way, you know, for far less money. Nice. And on the note too of, um, so like with exercise, if you, if people haven't really been, I've been exercising for years. So for me, I don't need motivation. I'm actually very self-motivated. I don't even need to go to classes and I don't need workout partners. I like them, but I just, you know, I, I'm motivated mm-hmm. regardless, but mm-hmm. I tell people still, and you know, it's funny because Gabrielle Reese, when she was on the show, she said the same thing. She goes, sometimes it's 50, 50 every day, whether I'm going to do it. But the thing is like, she always does it. Right. <laughs> so, and that, and that's how I am too. Like, I'll be honest with you the other day, I'm a, I still swim. And so the other day it was just kind of cold and, you know, foggy and I didn't want to deal. And I literally, it was uh, self-talk all the way from unchanging, like getting off my clothes and putting on my bikini to even just putting the cap on to even, and every step along the way, I was like, damn it. Oh, I just I don't want to do this right now. Like I was, I was just, just being a whiner and I was just going, oh, I hate this. I'm into why no. And then I get to the edge of the pool and I'm like, Oh my God, it's cold. <laughs> and, and by the way, I've been <laughs> swimming for years, right? So it's hilarious that I'm even whining yeah. about something I do all the time. So <laughs> in the same conditions. So I'm sitting there and then finally I look up at the clock and I'm like, you know, what? I'm like, this is stupid, but I'm already here. So I'm just gonna do 10 minutes. So I'm still bargaining at the edge of the pool. And of course I ended up doing 30, but you know, so sometimes it does even, I have those days, but the thing is, is that I'm still committed to doing it. And here's the thing, maybe I would have even only done 10 minutes and I've had those days where I actually have just done 10 minutes and you know what? That's okay. It's 10 minutes of a full body, wonderful, and it's something, and it's an honor to myself and it's a commitment. So I just have a future long-term commitment to myself that way. Um, and actually the funny thing is, is yeah, the best thing about becoming a fat burner and not addicted to food and all that stuff is you get to work out less and feel totally okay about taking a day off because you don't go backwards when you take a day off. And, and I'm now experiencing just like a way past few years, a way more relaxed approach where before it was like, sometimes I'd be like, I have to work out twice a day. I gotta, you know, I mean, it was just like too much. Literally it's too much. <laughs> I mean, it almost killed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I, I did. I did that too. When I was like, when I became, obs- I, there was a time where I became obsessed 
with my, with my body and the way that I looked. And so when I did go paleo, I'm like, wow, I have control over everything and I look amazing. And now I feel amazing and my energy is just skyrocketing. I can work out more too. And I became a little obsessive about it. And then I had to pull back because it was taking over just too much of my, too much, too much energy, too much attention. I wasn't working on, on myself in any other way. And that can become pretty dangerous. And about, so I think I think I'm going to tell a story, and it'll be a perfect way to 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 wrap this awesome conversation up. Um, what I have trained myself to do, and I hired a coach to help me do this, and what I teach my clients in a far less uh, in a far less dramatic way is to start the day on your terms, and whether that's with exercise or not, it. Give, it sets you up to make empowered choices for yourself throughout the day. So I'm going to describe what I'm talking about. The an, um, Having a morning routine that you do each and every day, even if it's five minutes, is a game changer. And I'll tell you about what I do because it's awesome and I love sharing this story and it's, and, and we can, we can distill, we can distill parts of it for what makes sense for you, you, the listener in your life. So every day uh, I live here in Santa Monica, a few blocks away from the beach Every day I wake up at 4.45, I cry in front of the mirror for a few minutes, and then I put my bathing suit on, I take a towel, uh, I take a yoga block, and I walk outside, and then I run down to the beach. I have to run over Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, I have to run from the, the edge of the, the parking lot through up, and up, up, the entire, uh, up the entire beach to the shore, and then I plop down. And I meditate under the stars and the moon. It's dark out and there's nobody else around except for the homeless people who are sleeping on the beach. <laughs> I was going to be like, are you sitting on syringes when you're meditating? Because that's a rough beach. I know that. <laughs> no, it's not that. Santa Monica. No, I'm kidding. That, yeah, it ain't that. <laughs> uh, and I meditate under the stars. And after I do that, I get up and I jump in the freezing cold water. And that's crazy. It's so cold. Why? (laughs) And as you said, it's like, I don't want to do it, but I want to do it. And the reason I do it is because do it like facing that fear, overcoming that challenge each and every day. There is nothing more awesome than that, more empowering and invigorating than that. And it doesn't matter how shitty I feel beforehand. It doesn't matter what sort of whining is going on in my head, what sort of stuff I woke up with that I took with me from the the past week, the past day. The second I hit that water, all of that disappears. It completely. Well, you're like slapping yourself in the face with the ocean, essentially oh, every morning. Oh, <laughs> I make, yeah, I'm essentially, I, and the, the noises, the the just the gesticulations I'm making. The I, I I look like a crazy person for sure. I would love if somebody could videotape this because I must look insane and I sound insane, surely. But uh, I start the day every day like that. Then I run home and then I have I, I begin my morning and I have two hours of of of, of t- free time after that in which I work, um, no distractions. So that's how I start my day every day. And the reason isn't just because it's an awesome experience, but it's because I put myself in the power position from the second I wake up. No matter what, even if I don't want to do it. I do it. And I hired a coach to help me do it. Cause at first it was so hard that I couldn't show up for myself. I couldn't make it happen. But in the same way I have my clients create a morning routine for themselves and it could be five minutes. It could be as simple as walking outside and looking at 
you know, looking at the sky and while you're drinking coffee. I don't care what it is, but if you're starting the day on your terms, then it allows for the potential of possibility. Wow, if I'm the sort of person who can do this, then what else could I do? Maybe if I woke up 10 minutes earlier, I could do this other thing. Maybe I could get my stretches in. Maybe I could try meditation. Maybe I would have the time for it, right? So it allows for the potential of possibility and it proves to yourself that you're the sort of person who can do this thing versus what most people do, which is just exist in their head and imagine themselves capable of greatness or capable of this, that, or the other. Now you're actually the sort of person who does that for yourself. And so if you're doing something like that, if you have a morning routine for yourself, I'm not going to say it's guaranteed that you'll go and exercise later on in the day if that's important to you, but it increases the likelihood dramatically because you already started the day in that context. Does that make sense? No, I'm still baffled by the ocean plunge. I'm still just, I can't even, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I mean, no, because it's, that is, <laughs> you know, even if I lived right on the beach, I wouldn't do that. I mean, the idea, I love cold pools like that, you know, to have to take a cold plunge. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing and you're doing it in nature. And that does feel amazing. I mean, it really does. And you could do that even in your shower. You could be like, brace yourself. And it's a bracer. You got to be like, oh, and that's why you look crazy on the beach. Cause you're like, no, here I go. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. The, I mean, the first 30 seconds I make myself stay underwater. Like I make myself uh, just live in it. And there's a break, there's a breaking point where honestly everything releases and it's total surrender. And I know I sound like such an LA hippie dude right now because I'm talking (laughs) about surrender and meditating under the stars, but I'm a, I'm a reformed New New Yorker. I've only been in LA for four years and I used to be the most cynical New York asshole that you've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? it's better this way. (laughs) It's way better this way, the way that I'm doing it right now. I promise. (laughs) It's funny on that note on this and we'll, we'll end it. But I sensed earlier when you said we were talking about the very beginning and you said, you know what, let's just call it what it is. I was like, is he from Chicago or New York? And that's literally (laughs) the first thing that popped in my mind. Cause, uh, that's how, you know, I am. And a lot of my friends are from Chicago too. It's like, you know, let's just, let's cut the shit here and just, yeah. Straight talk. Yeah, straight talk. Yeah, straight um, talk. Yeah. No, so I love it. I love it. But that's it. You know what? Your morning routine is such a great LA hippie thing. And you know what? It's a good thing. Like, what's wrong with that? Like, so then being LA hippie is awesome, right? So, yeah, it's changed my life. It's changed my <laughs> life. It's changed my life for sure. All right, Daniel Thomas Hind, you can go to evolutioneat.com. We'll put all of the show notes uh, links, uh, links in the show notes, excuse me. And um, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Al. This was a really, really fun time. I'm so glad that I called you that one, that one day when you emailed me and you said, call me up. And I was like, sure. And we did. And now we're here doing this. So, uh, it's been a pleasure. I love your show. I love your audience and, um, hope to do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. All right. Have a wonderful day. Hi, it's Brad Kearns to tell you about Paleo Cooking Bootcamp. Oh, what fun. Finally, you have a chance to learn from a real professional about intentional cooking, where you maximize the efficiency of your time, dedicate two hours on the weekend to cooking, and Chef Katie French, the earthivore, will take you through this incredible whirlwind cooking session where you cook enough in two hours to have ready-made delicious paleo-approved meals for the entire week. 
paleocookingbootcamp.com. This is a digital version of her award-winning course that was given to students live in the Bay Area. And now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can have a step-by-step approach that makes it easy to succeed in the kitchen. Even if you're not a big foodie, even if you're a little intimidated about doing recipes, just push the play button and Katie will take you through the cooking course. It's a two-hour boot camp every weekend designed to last for a month, and you will be dialed with your paleo meals. Just open up that refrigerator door. Imagine having all these delicious snacks and breakfast items, dinner entrees, dessert treats even. And let me tell you, I was on the set watching this whole production. It is the real deal. The food is absolutely amazing, and you will be surprised what you can accomplish in the kitchen with an intentional cooking method. There's no other course like this found in the world. We looked, believe me. So check out paleocookingbootcamp.com and enroll today. 